You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce the guys over here on my right. We've got the one and only Bobby Osinski. Bobby! Hello, Mike. How you Hello, doing? everyone. It's good to see you. Two in a row. Two That's in a row. Awesome. Next to him, we've got Mr. Soundman himself, Scott Gershon. Scott. Hey, good evening, Mike. How you doing, Scott? Good, Mike. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too, Mike. And over here, on my left, is the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter in the flesh. Hello, Everyone, and I am not on Skype tonight. I am actually here. Which is good. I'm I'm in L.A. for at least five minutes. uh, I'm not sure I believe it, though. Oh, there's a plane waiting for me out in the parking lot, but until then, I'm all yours. And joining us today, we are privileged to have Mickey Caputo sit in with us and join the conversation. Mickey. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. See? Is it really a privilege? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll you find, out. find out after. The yeah, day. yeah, exactly. Hey, anytime uh, we can uh, get another voice in here, it's always a privilege because <laughs> we're guaranteed at least one more listener. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Good to be here. Hey, uh, so um, we've got a really great show. Uh, it's going to take some twists and turns. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. But right off the bat, let me just say that uh, first of all. Just so people know, we're late getting this podcast started because I literally just got here like 15 minutes ago. And have you guys ever been in a situation where you feel so much pressure that you literally like it just you have a hard time breathing? Because I'm right now in a situation like that. I'm trying to remember the last time I didn't have that. I mean, it is so bad. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this thing's going to going to end up. Well, the mere, the mere fact that they're hearing this means you must have done it right. No. Well, I'm in the middle of it, actually. Well, now you are, but not by the time they hear this. I have to deliver, and I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I have to deliver three shows that are animated by tomorrow evening. Three, and they still need a full so sound effect. Thank you for the podcast, and i got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Full, well, no, because we're running – I run two shifts, and somebody's in my room right now. Oh. But – they have to do – we still have to do a full sound effects, sound design pass, Foley pass, and then mix it. You know? Yikes. And they're short. And I, I seriously <laughs> – I don't know how this is going to get done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like – I've been in really tight situations before, but this is probably the tightest so I've So sleeping is not one of the things that I, You happen. know what? I have no idea if I'm going back after the podcast or – if I'm just going to grab some sleep and then start early in the morning. Because when you go to sound design, I don't know, but I, it just – if you get super tired when you Deliver do that kind of stuff. in the morning or at night tomorrow? The first approval on, a, on, a, on an episode that hasn't started yet is tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Yay. And so I have, a, I have somebody right now who's working on it who's going to – who's actually approving something that I mixed today but that I had to leave because I, I had to leave. And um, – and you know the the problem when you get into programming, it's like your deadlines. Like, if they have an air date here, let's say you have to have it delivered by like Wednesday, and they promise you last Monday that you're going to have it, and then it keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And oh pushed. yeah, they'll move the starting line. They'll never move the finish. The line. finish line stays right mm-hmm. there. So I'm almost looking forward to hearing. The next podcast to see what happens. Because <laughs> this is – it's crazy. I mean literally I was – as I was driving over here, 
I had to like just breathe. It's like I can only work as fast as I can work. But it's just nuts. It's nuts. And I just wanted to know, anybody have any horror stories like that? That kind of pressure? Mickey, you're nodding your head. Uh, you know, I, I just, I know I'm the new guy and I'm, I'm usually an optimist. You know, I just, I don't feel good about this for you. <laughs> Actually, today I had, a, I had a, a moment like that for something that would seem like it wouldn't be any big deal. It was this guitar. I found my perfect guitar, and when the guy told me what he had, I was I, – I put my keys and opened my, my little cash drawer to get some cash out. A second later, I couldn't find my keys. I was that excited. There was that much pressure. <laughs> Not really close to what you're talking about, but I think, you know, my, my blinders were I know. Were you on. lose your keys or you won. Does the South Park <laughs> deliver on the air date? Their air date yes. is Wednesday yeah. night, and they deliver well, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you talk about Matt and Trey, because that's my horror story. Mm. Uh, with uh, Team America. Oh, tell oh me. I love oh, that. Oh, good movie. Oh, good movie. Yeah. So Team America, we were... I don't even have to make this up. It sounds like a big fish story, and it's just the story. But, uh, no, we were working... Um, we pre-dubbed 9 in the morning till midnight, which they thought was a pretty normal day. <laughs> then the final, we literally were doing 20-hour days. We had a hotel... We got about three and a half hours sleep. Most times I'd wake up with the alarm going off in my clothes going, oh, crap. It's like, forgot to, go, forgot to change. But no, we were, um, we made it so, films usually have to be done a month before, two weeks is cut into close, and we were a day. So what we would do is we would finish the mix, ship it off to all the mastering studios, reel by reel. Wow. Never hearing the movie all at once. So real one's done, great, boom. Another stage, real two's done, boom. Goes to Canada, and they're literally making prints, reel by reel, and then they're going to cut them together. Wow. On the platter. <clears throat> and it was one of those, like, okay, hits the theaters. I'm not sure how many hours, if not a day, from the time we finished the mix to the time it actually got into a theater. And they were actually splicing the last reel Jeez. in the theaters. Jeez. That's crazy. How about you, Rob? Well, I've had lots and lots of those horror stories, but the one that still feels like yesterday, even though it was a really long time ago, is when I first started touring with Stevie Wonder, and I used to run the Synclavier during the show, and and we did, for that first tour, this is like 87, something like that, uh, the the show was in the round, so we'd have a stage that would be in the middle of the venue, and then I'd be under the stage with the Synclavier and a bunch of other technology. And Stevie used to like to change up the show all the time, and we'd talk about editing songs and all this other stuff. But on that tour in particular, he used to decide to change the song structure sort of on the fly, and I'd be sitting down at the Synclavier under the stage editing songs like right before the show would start or sometimes even during the show. Like he'd tell me during halftime, you know, he wants me to make a change. And so I just remember sitting under there, scared to death, and doing these edits. And the first time I'd ever hear them would right. be when the audience would hear them because there was no <laughs> way to check them. And I remember being under the stage at Madison Square Garden with the place absolutely packed to the rafters, screaming. And I'm doing edit after edit of these songs because he wants this song longer, this song shorter. I'm you know cutting and pasting based on bars, and I'm sitting there counting on my fingers. Okay, how many bars was that bridge? How many bars was the chorus? I'm doing these edits, and he's just counting them off like – Part-time lover, a one, two, a one, two, three, four. And I would hit play. And then it was just a roll of the dice whether I'd gotten it right or not. And if I missed it, then it was just wrong. But Uh, I usually didn't miss it. But that pressure, knowing there are, you know, whatever it is, 20,000 people. Oh, yeah. 
Oh. That was terrifying, and I still I still break out in a sweat when I think about that because it was very real time. It's like you had instant judgment about whether you screwed up or not. The thing about working keyboards or the Synclavier or when you work keyboards on a, on a live show, on a tour, is your mistakes are just epic. And I remember when I used to um, run the system for a guy, R&B band, and um, you know when they would – the music director would uh, like stop – before the end of the – like the breaks were built in, right? So when the when there's audience participation, the breaks are built in. And as long as the music director did nothing until the music stopped, then we were good. But sometimes – actually one time in particular, the very first time, he stopped it a measure before. <laughs> so that means when he hit the space bar – You're going to hear the right You're going to hear measure. that measure. You're going to hear a measure of silence and then it's going to kick back in. Yikes. And, and at that time, um, this is old Apple with the ADB computers. It was like a – 2C or something and you had the ADB, that special connection. And I just on a whim said, you know what? I'm going to hook up two keyboards. I didn't even know if it would work. But I'm going <laughs> to hook up two keyboards. So I came out of the Mac into one keyboard. Out of, out of that keyboard, I made a custom cable all the way to the stage and he had a keyboard because he could trigger all the songs by just hitting a key. And so he stopped it. He looks at me and he was like just ghostly white because he knew exactly what he did. He knew it was going to happen. And so he was like – Looks at me and I'm like – and I look and I can see where the bar is and I'm like – So <laughs> meanwhile, they're doing the audience participation and I like, all right. So I take the mouse and I just do an insert, which I, supposedly it was going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I had never tried this and then I said <laughs> – you, know, you don't want to let them thumbs know. Up. Exactly. Yeah. I gave him a thumbs up. I'm all smiling and inside I'm like, oh, I hope this works. He hits the space bar. It worked. Yeah. So, wow. See? Nice. So, you know what? You can be I've hero here. or goat. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be the goats. <laughs> I think I've told this story before. In those early, early tours with Stevie, we used to carry an Atari 16 track that would play some backing tracks, you know, because there would be some studio sounds and stuff that there was no way to replicate. But Stevie l- likes to count in the songs and have the whole thing feel very interactive and very real time. Right. So I used to, I made a musical chart for each song about. Where in his count off I had to hit play for it to spin up to speed because oh. it's an analog machine. So I remember it would be like, you know, the third 16th note of beat one, oh. you know, and he'd start a one, two, a one, two. And I, at that clap would when I'd have, have to hit it. Oh. And for each song, based on what the tempo was, I had a little piece of sheet music. Did I still have that when you joined the tour, Mike? No, because we were all digital. We by were all then. digital by then. But in the analog world, that's what it used to be. I'd have sheet music that was just the count in, so, and so I would just. Did you figure out the tape and go, okay, how long does it take for me to hit play? I yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. And it was experimenting. I would just sit there. Because the other thing is, as those machines got older, they didn't spin up quite so fast. Yeah. So every you know week or whatever, I'd redo the, the oh, count off. That's crazy. Wow. Bobby, you have any stories like that? Oh, yeah, there's plenty. Um, the one that I hated the most, I, I, I just recently had some things with some books that are, are similar where, you know, everybody's expecting it and they're expecting it now and you're not finished now. But the one I hated the most was uh, I had mixed a Japanese movie in five one, and the Japanese director and producer were there. And they were leaving on plane to go back to Japan. And they were being really, really picky. Really picky. Especially with the panning. So the panning would be at, uh, 
9.30, and they would want it at 9.35. <laughs> you know, stuff that nobody would ever no hear. Yeah. <laughs> but they were being so picky, and, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is good, but we still have to make the master because we had to spin it off into a, a DA88 yeah, still. Right. And I'm thinking, there's not going to be enough time. There's not going to be enough time. How are they going to do this? How are they going to, you know? And it went right down to the wire. And they were really excited, and they were they were panicking, and and it was just a mess. It, you know, it was just... <laughs> You know, when it's not, it's no fun when, That's when things fun. are like that, you know? you know? Because also, if something goes wrong in that last pass, like let's say you have a time perfectly that you can hit record, and then at the moment it stops, if they get in the car at that moment, they'll be okay. But invariably, what happens is, like, right as the end credits start to roll, you realize there's a click or a pop that you yeah. got. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the. That's the worst. I mean, it's screwed. amazing, though, that now, because I mean, I just, before I came here, I had to ship off some elements that are being mixed in Canada first thing in the morning. So it was like, okay, take a file, boom, a spare it, done. Yeah. But there was a day when you had drivers and tape and airplanes. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, oh, all used, the, and there was no guarantee that that was going to happen. Yeah. You know what? We used to, in the early days of Noisy Neighbors in my production company, where we'd be working on commercials, everything had to be delivered by you know, FedEx. Yeah, FedEx. Yeah. And there was one job, I remember, I think it was for Coca-Cola, where we were so close to the FedEx deadline, and it was partly comedic, but Gary, my partner, was out on the street in his car, yeah. ready to go. As I was running the final, <laughs> it was a dat we were sending them, and he uh, actually started at my neighbor's house, one house over, and started driving so that I could actually throw the tape into his passenger window, <laughs> and he'd already be at speed oh. like, to get to FedEx. Oh man! And I mean, we had we had that happen tons of times. Yeah. I mean, or you fly, messengers, or you drive as fast as you can to the airport. To get it on the next, like we missed FedEx. Oh yeah, what do we do. Yeah, okay. you call somebody. It's going on an airplane right now. It's <laughs> above the LAX. I'll tell you what. I don't L- miss those. Days listening to all, all these stories doesn't help me at all. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I know you guys have gone through it. You know, I'm just gonna say one more thing. It's like, there's, is there nothing more depressing than when you think you got something nailed and then the client comes in and just rips it apart like an onion. I mean, just like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And, and I, as that was happening, I was I was writing notes for tonight's podcast. And one of my notes is, why are the clients always right? Because <laughs> I was like... Because you I, want the check to clear. Yeah, but I'm sitting there and, and there's these specific notes on, uh, on uh, like some stuff that I sound design and, and I'm like, it's so subjective. And isn't it crazy how like... One person, just one person, just just feeling like they just want to say something, can like throw hours and hours of work. Well, a lot way. of times, they're just protecting their own job. Like if they don't say something, then they're irrelevant to the process. So a lot of times, they'll say something so they've said something. I mean, this. <laughs> I sure hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> but I'm doing a fight scene. Okay, you know fight scenes, right? And it's it's a big fight scene. There's a lot of hits and a lot of stuff, right? I think I'm smacking it, and and I'm it's sounding big and impactful, and uh, and then the client goes, I want it bigger, and I, I want it more impactful, and I'm like, I, that's you know saying that just automatically just recut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's like just there's so much sync going on in a fight, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. Scott goes, yeah. that's like. Just, the, just those little words right there. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I can just eat through this and boost yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. That's the good thing about being the mixer and the sound designer is you can kind of do it. And yeah. let me just tell you, um, 
uh, vocal writer is my best friend right now (laughs) because that thing works really, really well. When you have to mix in in a pinch, that plugin just, it works really good. You set your little target, you tell it a plus or minus where you're going to go and you let it roll. You know, I have another one that just came to me and this, this really dates me because it's really analog. Um, but you'll appreciate it. So I was doing a commercial. It was a scope commercial. And the VO artist was uh, Spock's father, if you've ever seen him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scott Leonard, and who, was, who was a great guy. And he came in and um, the, the ad agency was in Las Vegas. And they were on the phone. So there's an open phone line in Las Vegas. But for some reason, it was being recorded. I wasn't recording it for the most part. It was going on a satellite to Seattle. And there was somebody that was recording it up there. And I don't remember how sure all this worked. it made sense at the time. But essentially what had it happen was we had to book the satellite time. Mm-hmm. And the satellite time happens at 4 o'clock and it stops at 5 o'clock on the nose. And you have to get it within that time period or else it's done. The satellite's gone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we started to do this. And um, I'm recording it as well. And then they say, uh, can you make an edit? Yeah, sure, I can make an edit. So I'm having to take breaths out and stuff, and, and I take, you know, about two inches out of a quarter-inch tape. And I put it on the side, and then I lost it. Oh. And they said, can you put it back in? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking all over the floor for this piece, and I can't find it, and I was really starting to panic because now nobody can see me from the agency because they're in Las Vegas, and they're on the phone, they hear silence, and they're going, well, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm moving the tape machines and, and it slid behind one of the tape machines. I got it. I put it back in, sliced it back in, and, and then it was okay. And then the next thing was okay, we only have five minutes till the satellite goes away and we have to get this. Right. So, you know, again, that was one of those things where there's these multiple. Yeah. You know, multiple entities <laughs> talking at the same time. That is very painful. Oh, man. That, that was a tough oh, one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm starting to feel a little better. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Whatever happens tomorrow, the sun is going to rise the and day you after. You know what? So. And, and, and uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and, and he goes, you can only work as fast as you can work. Uh-huh. So whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. And uh, the next podcast, I could be looking for a new job. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. you have to remember to fill us in as to what happened. I will, absolutely. I, 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 just, it's, I'm, I feel sick. Got <laughs> <laughs> to breathe, Mike, breathe. Uh, all right, moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, I made a purchase, guys. And, uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to bring it in. Because um, I think it's going to surprise some of you and not you surprise others. No, I'm putting together a little rig. Okay, I'm working on this project with, with Martin, and um, I'm putting together a small little Pro Tools rig. And I wanted something smallest and the most compact to do some recording. And I went and I and I talked last time about the iPad, the iPad Air, and how cool that was and things like that. Did you get one yet? Not yet. Okay. No, but what I did get. Oh, we're going to see it. You're going to see it. He's doing the big reveal. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, dum, dum. Just a bit of a letdown it's on a, a small podcast. Bag. I know. Wow. I picked up a Surface Pro for Microsoft. Ah. And let me tell you two things. Number one, um, here, I'll just kind of show you guys. 
It's 256 gigabyte hard drive. It has a um, quad core i5. It's fast. It's run Windows 8.1. Let me tell you, Windows 8.1 isn't bad. It's actually a good operating system. I haven't been in Windows for for a long time. I mean, I've won Windows 7. I went and checked out Windows um, Windows 8.1. I don't understand why all the negative stuff. I installed a ton of programs on it already. And uh, it runs really quick. It's really fast. And that's it. That's the size of the computer, the whole shebang. It's silent, and it'll be able to run um, Pro Tools no. as soon as they uh, update Pro Tools to run with Windows wow. 8. But I can wirelessly sync that with my iPad and run both at the same time and do um, all of my synth stuff that I like to do on the iPad and record that on the, uh, on the Windows Surface. It's really a cool thing, and it's more powerful – and cheaper than what you would get with a MacBook Air. And I just wanted to show you because, number one, Rob, I wanted to get your input. Have you worked with uh, Windows 8 yet on, uh, on music stuff? And have, what, have, what am I in the, you know, set myself up for? <laughs> uh, you're setting yourself up to find that Pro Tools on Windows doesn't run as well as it does on a Mac. I just needed to record. And it doesn't even have to be Pro Tools, by the way. I, I can just need to Cubase. record something. Yeah, yeah, I'm just recording. Oh, then you'll, you'll be oh. fine with it. I mean uh, – I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about uh, Windows 8. I, I have used it some, but uh, I don't know. Under the hood, it still has so many of the same complexities and, and bugs and everything else but the previous versions. To me, this had. version of Windows, Windows 8.1, it's, and maybe Windows 8, it's actually – it's really stable. I'm installing some programs that aren't necessarily blessed for Windows. Like um, I do 3D and so I run – I'm running Moto 5 and it's running well on that. On the service? Yeah. It's a, that's a PC. It's a, it's a bonafide so PC. So let your registry uh, percolate. For nine months, ten months, a year, and then well, let's report back. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to have the same Windows thing, but I, I was just amazed at how much power. I mean, it'll run. Okay, it'll run my games. All right, it'll run your games. It'll Call of Duty. It'll run um, uh, Half Life, Team Fortress, all the stuff that I needed. With you know, with uh, what, what interface with, are you using? Uh, Transit. Transit. I'm going to buy a bigger one, but for right now, to test out all these. And how are the ADDs on? Well, you know the little M, the M audio. Are you guys familiar? You, I'm, you've seen this before. Hold on. Oh, that yeah. Interesting. But what kind of got me to even look at it is I was going to go pick up an iPad Air, and by the time I got a, the 128 gigabyte one with, uh, you know, with data like an AT and T that I was looking at, that's almost a thousand bucks. Right. And I was like, holy smokes. That was 1200 Well, twelve ninety nine, thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah. That's a lot of money from that, I think. It's, well, it's you know nice, what? but, but to buy a Mac Air checked out is about two to $3,000. It? Well, it's about $1,700 you well, know, terabyte, to fifteen. But it's not even – it's only a, a dual core and that's a quad core. It's just, it's just faster. You know, I hadn't bought a Windows machine in, in a couple of years and I wanted to get back into Windows 8. I just thought it made the most sense. It is expensive for what it is but – it's really handy for what it is. So you figure that an iPad and audio interface. I mean, forget the uh, the rack, you know, Pro Tool system. You're talking about a little Pro Tool system that now can go inside of a, you know, a messenger bag. And to me, that's the most important: is small, functional, being able to work. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, 
tell you guys. You're a glutton for punishment, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not convinced, Rob. I can oh, tell. I am absolutely convinced of the exact opposite, actually. So I, I think at some point Microsoft has to start really innovating again, not just uh, – Following, I was the biggest Microsoft proponent for music on the planet. You absolutely were, no doubt, and for decades. Yeah, but you know, that's just—I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have to say anything. All you have to do is use both systems for a while and see what you think. It's uh, well, I'll report back on that. Too. Yeah, if I hadn't sold it because I lost my job because I. <laughs> you know what? In the heat of a battle of a session, when you're actually when the chips are down and you're trying to get work done, and you have your workstation. At that moment, whether you paid a thousand for the laptop or two thousand or three thousand, if yeah. you can't get the work the work done, or you start running into some of the crazy, you know, Windows nonsense that you can run into, right. at that point, money is no object because you're not able to get something done. Uh, I don't know. I think you don't want to be penny wise and pound foolish with these things. I think uh, no, that's true. But at the same time, I think um, you know, as long as your drivers are good and as long as the Programs have followed all the rules. I think it should should be okay. I don't know. I, I, I mean, be, I should be I the biggest be fanboy with with Scott's company. Yeah. I actually worked on some of the music and sound that's built yeah. into this thing you just bought. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's, something, but no. <laughs> we're both representatives. Yeah, you know, so, well, here, let me see. Why don't you hand that I back? mean, you know what's interesting is, as long as I've known Rob, I've been more the Mac guy, right? And he's been the PC guy, right? And it's interesting the last couple of years from going, yeah, no more. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean. you know the crazy thing is with Microsoft. This is a really great computer. It's I like the form. I like how light it is. And the one thing that they marketed the most was the fact that the back snaps. That's like yeah. that's ridiculous. I mean, talk about horrible marketing. Well, I mean, their marketing is, cool, is always horrible because they always make things look impossibly easy in a way that anybody who's ever used one of these things realizes it isn't. Right? It's not realistic. But. You know, but it has some great stuff. It has the backlit keyboard. It has, you know, it's yeah. You know what else runs Windows Eight One really well? I know a Mac. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't have the touch screen. And you know what? The touch is is pretty cool. I'm, you know me. I'm the biggest anti-touch unless you do something innovative with it. And the way it works with the Metro, um, it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm multi-touch. Multi-touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm okay. We'll see. You could absolutely be right. I could be the next podcast going. You can but, do whatever you want. Oh, I'm make a mistake. But you know, I think it's, it's interesting, though, with um, especially the mobile technologies, uh, tablets and phones. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I like Apple because a lot of the stuff that I use is the interconnectivity is set up well. But um, the other half of my household is Google. And, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, looking at some of the Google phones – and I kind of like the apps, the way they're set up, and and you can have multiple things going. And I think it's a little more advanced than my Apple stuff because all of a sudden she's got all these different things going, and she can run different apps. In Mac, you or with the iOS, you've got to kind of open it up, you've got to close it. It sucks up too much memory. There's yeah. no memory management app with hers. You can, it says if you don't use it for X amount of time, shut the app down. A really sophisticated stuff. So it's it's fascinating on uh, on where it's going, and I think actually Apple is sliding back a little bit, and I think the other companies, uh, it's a game of leapfrog. I think the uh, Microsoft, if you look at all the articles and how they're restructuring their company and the way Google's going after it, uh, they're hungry, they're going for it, and Samsung, from a hardware standpoint, is also very very aggressive and. 
You know, Microsoft just bought Nokia. Yeah, I mean, I think I, it's good when they're all doing well, when they're all pushing each other. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I, I got, you know, I have an Android phone as well as iOS. iOS rules when it comes to music and production. You just yes. cannot, the, there's no latency. I mean, just the interact, um, the uh, interactivity between the apps and with the core audio drivers and things like that. I mean, it just, I don't think Android will ever get there. And, and I've run the same it program, was- FL Studio. I have that on my Android tablet, I have it on my iPad, and it's just much better on the iPad. But having said that, you know, that's only a small percentage of the market out there looking for phones. So, I mean, you're talking about Android. You know, it's it's going to be huge, and the fact that it's free also probably doesn't hurt. But I also either. think that Android is, is facing the same problems that uh, 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 Microsoft did in the day, where they don't control the hardware. Yeah. So now they have to have software that hopefully runs on an infinite amount of different hardware that they can't guarantee will work. And then when it gets updated, it's still a problem. So if you buy the cheaper hardware phone, it may or may not work. In theory, Mac. Well, yeah, that's true. I'll tell you one thing that I did with when I got my new Android phone that I've never had to do before, and that was I installed a virus, uh, an antivirus program. I was going to ask you about viruses for that thing. Is it vulnerable? Well, I use, right now I use the Microsofts and apparently Windows 8 is supposed to be better and Microsoft has, you know, their Defender and that whole thing. I don't know. We'll see. I've I've often thought about that too. I'm not doing any banking on that thing. (laughs) That's for sure. I mean, what it comes down to is what it's come down to for a long time. How much of your time do you want to spend messing around with the gadget itself and how much of your time do you want to spend just using it as a tool where it doesn't matter? Because... Realistically, that's all that matters. Your your clients and your audience don't care what you're using or how long it took. So, you know, it's like an iOS device versus an Android device. The Android device gives you a lot more flexibility, but at the end of the day, what are you really trying to do? Are you at the end of the day? Do you hope you've spent five hours messing with your phone, or do you hope you've just had a phone you could use and not thought about? No, that's true. As long as it works and it works for you, that's Mm -hmm. that's good. Basically, you know, I went to Windows because I know we have a lot of Windows users out there. I still have 25 PCs in my studio, but they get used (laughs) less and less and less and Uh. less. That's a whole lot of Minesweeper. So I'm still still waiting for the Atari comeback. (laughs) Well, if it does, you've got the mother loading in your studio. Well, anyhow, well, we'll have to see. uh, We'll see what happens, but uh, I'll report back on how the uh, this surface is working but um i feel good about it and i don't have buyer's remorse which is always good as long so. as you can get your stuff done with it or it plays the games you want that's all it really matters well, actually though it's funny we talk about music but gaming especially with steam yeah it's a whole it, it, then it becomes out oh yeah that's right that's yeah because steam doesn't steam. exist on the mac yes it does does it absolutely Steam exists on the Mac. And I and, stand corrected. and actually and if you buy a game and it's available on both pc and mac you get both versions. Ooh. So like when I bought all my Half-Life and all that and when they ported that over, over to the Mac, when I installed Steam for Mac, they all showed up. But is, is all the games on Steam as up-to-date as they are on the PC? No, and not every game on PC goes over to Mac. For, right? Forgive me, but I'm not a gamer. What is Steam? Steam is a um, – it's the iTunes for video games. I mean that's oh. the best way to say it. Okay. Yeah, a company called Valve – Basically, create a software that you can basically download games when you know just at all times, and they're really set up for hardcore gamers that have blown out PCs, and they're now making their own hardware. So instead of it being just Xbox and PS4, there's a Steam box that's coming out. Mm-hmm. All these, I mean, the, the hardware. 
it's they're, making, they're, they're going for an iOS because yeah, yeah it's it's going to be like a, another platform essentially. But the thing that was uh, great about Steam is it was the first company that made downloadable games practical and easy for the user. And um, so if you have if you buy a bunch of games, you don't have to worry about having all the boxes and everything because you can download it as many times as you want. Um, you can only have so many computers authorized and only one version of Steam can run at a time. So I have Steam on my Mac. I've got it on my PC. I've got it on my other Mac and I can run them all as long as I only run one at a time. As soon as I try going more than one at a time, it will kick you off one of them. But it's really handy because you buy all your stuff digitally and it's all there. It's much like iTunes. It's just like iTunes. It's always there and you can download it whenever you can. The problem that Steam's going to have that – iTunes doesn't have is the fact that as games um, age, the operating systems don't and they not, may, not, may not be able to support some of those those vintage games. And so there's games that I bought back in the day that I can't run on this because I couldn't run it on Windows But that, 7. that's pretty much – I mean that goes without saying yeah. between the platforms and – yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk with Bobby Osinski about his new book. And we're going to talk about the music industry because there's a lot of things that I want to cover. And we're also going to visit a little bit with Mickey. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, recording the voice. So we'll and I'm going, to, I'm going to go into Mike's surface and change one line in the registry and see if he can figure <laughs> out where it is. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. And I'm going to hyperventilate the corner. <laughs> All right, so we'll catch you on the other side. Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the LA area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast, and before the break, I don't even remember what we were talking about <laughs> before the break. Oh, that's Atari's right. We're talking and about, Amigas. <laughs> Fablets. We're talking Fablets. about <laughs> Microsoft Fablet. and all kinds of good stuff. Anyhow, um, a couple things that I want to cover. Uh, first, I want to take the time. We were actually supposed to have a different guest, and uh, he didn't show up, I think, through uh, miscommunication. Um, but we'll invite him He's back. still on the 101. <laughs> the 101 was a parking lot on the way here today, was by the really? way. Yeah. The but, things we do for this audience, the things we suffer for, they I, don't even appreciate I know. <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, recording voiceover and recording the voice, um, speaking as opposed to singing and the differences and how you might approach one and the other. And it just so happens that Mickey, he records a ton of VO. True. So um, I'm going to – let's just talk about recording the voice and and recording the spoken word as opposed to um, singing. Um, right off the bat, guys, anybody uh, do anything special, anything different when you do a spoken word than when if you do a, a vocalist? Well, we don't use auto-tune. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for one. Um, I do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, for instance, I'll tell you right off the bat, for me, like when I'm cutting vocals, um, the whole goal f- is to make the singer as comfortable as possible, right? I mean, you really want to put them in a good headspace. So I, 
find I take a lot of time and I really want to position the microphone so it's good for them at the same time. Let them wail. There's going to be a lot of air going. There's going to be a lot of uh, emotion. And I just, I just want to make it really good for them when I do VO sessions. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my main thing is, is when you speak, you tend to really pop your plosives a lot. I mean you tend to – there's not that sing-song slurring that you would get when you do um, – when you're singing. It's Everything is a little bit more staccato. Everything is a little more enunciated. So you got to really watch your airflow. You really got to watch your, your, your P's and, your, and all the hard consonants. Well, one of the things I was going to say is um – you know, a really great singer, when they're working the mic, they know if they're singing out loud, they'll either tilt their head back or right. turn away from the mic and they'll sort of compress themselves. And the same is true with great, uh, you know, speak, speaking voice actors or, or VO people. I mean, because the dynamics are every bit as important, right. sometimes even more. So, And also the proximity effect with the microphones is a big deal. So if you're working with talent that actually has a lot of experience, they'll figure out how they need to work the mic the way a great singer would, and that makes your job a lot easier. Right. Mickey, why don't you tell us a little bit of what, what you do and uh, what you do when you record? Well, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I get to work with um, up-and-coming voice actors. So uh, I, I, it does vary. People come from all different backgrounds, uh, but a lot of people come to – uh, to learn, uh, people that might not have have had a lot of experience in voiceover or any. Why don't so, you yeah. Why don't you tell people where it is that you uh, you work at? I'm privileged to work at the Don LaFontaine Voiceover Lab uh, through the SAG Foundation, and it's a it's a nonprofit. And actors that are in the Screen Actors Guild can come in and and uh, it work out for free. It's a state of the art studio. They actually just. Um, are in the process of building one in New York as well. Wow! Yeah, so if you're a screen actor uh, in the, in SAG in New York, you can you can you'll be able to work there too. And what do you do there? You actually run all the sessions and yeah, do you- I, I direct an engineer there. We have people come in that everything from commercial to promo to animation, whatever whatever they want to do, we we work on that. And um, uh, as we were talking earlier, I, I tend to, to gravitate towards the the. The Sennheiser 416, yeah. and we'll, I'm sure you'll chime in on that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, I, I was just telling him earlier that the 416, it's a, it's a great mixer's mic because it really, you know, really makes your voice cut. But <laughs> a lot of the VO guys, and you can actually look it up, they hate the 416 because <laughs> it kind of sucks all the life mm-hmm. out of their voice and really sucks a lot of the uh, – the body and to some people a lot of the emotion out of it so yeah. um do you guys use what else do you use there besides the force well, our, our second i think go to is a u87 but we've got you know any and every kind of mic you could probably rattle off the top of your head we have it and we usually don't use any of those right um yeah the one good thing about the 416 that I'll tell you is you can place it at some pretty gnarly angles yeah. so that you don't get any popping and uh, and it'll pick up really well. That's I mean, it's what I'm- super directional, but it really, you know, it really allows you to have a lot of latitude as far as where you where you put it off. But, but with a vocal mic, you're looking at, you know, 6 inches to a foot. You know, 416 you're looking at two to four feet away, if not a little bit further. Yeah. And uh, it's usually above you so the actor can have a normal uh, 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 space to act in, yeah, and uh, and also I think the, I think the big difference between music and dialogue recording is the concept of perspective. Was that something which like in early video games everybody was speaking like right into the mic, yeah, and it sounded like voiceover, yeah, 
And it just doesn't sound natural. So if somebody visually steps back 20 feet and the voice is still up front, it doesn't sound right. So now all of a sudden you've got to take perspective into account. Right. So a lot of times when we do a lot of VO, we're using multiple mics at multiple distances. Mm. Yeah. Then you can then cross between those different mics if the actors aren't doing it themselves. Right. Now that's good because actually whenever I record – like I'll do a lot of VO for like trailers right. and they'll bring in the actor to um, say a line that had to be ADR to the movie but hasn't been ADR yet. And I'll record them with like uh, the TLM 103 but also run a 416. And most of the time the 416 sounds better because it actually – that captures a perspective a lot And more. even a little bit of a laugh mic. I mean when you're talking to capturing having you know the radio mic up there and I mean – Two of the best guy. Well, I shouldn't say, but there are two guys in town that are, are much sought after, and they have a whole mic collection when they do ADR, so they can match it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about EQ, and they'll go, "Okay, that's uh, Neumann eighty one. Oh no, that's the lab. That's a radio mic, and that's the radio receiver, and they'll put it together just for that, and they'll have it there. And then, because the thing is, ADR when it sounds bad is, yeah. is useless." You, know, the, you can match it all of a sudden, and they know where the boom operator usually goes. They usually know where they're putting it, and they match it. Those guys, they're really good. I hate them because <laughs> they're so good. Um, I've, I've worked with a couple of them in some of the bigger stages, and, man, they, they know their stuff. Right. And, and There's I, a lot of good guys out, but some of the guys are, you know, I think that I can say the two most sought after, I think, is it's Tommy at Warner Brothers and Doc at Disney. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Doc. Yeah, Doc and, and Tommy. And, yeah. and those guys are just scary good. Yeah, no, they're, they're really good. Mickey, really quick. Yes. Um, what's one of the biggest mistakes that, uh, that some of the newbies do um, when they uh, try doing VO? If you're going to give some people some tips. It, t- technically speaking, uh, what the newbies do is they like to uh, eat the mic. They like to play to the mic. So if the mic is here and I've got them at a, a good distance, which let's say is you know six inches or depending on what we're doing, um, they want to inch toward it. Right. And that's, I think, probably technically the biggest mistake um, from an acting perspective is they forget all their acting technique when they come into the booth. For some reason, people sometimes think that for voiceover, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to just talk into the mic. Right. No, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, I know. They get, they get that, my voice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, everybody, come on, follow me. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, I just, I did a session um, for a commercial um, where literally five words at the end, just a tag. It was two hours. Oh. Two hours. Why was that? Was the audition just sliced no, together or Creative what? director came in and tried to direct the talent and was getting a read that was Let's just say one direction. Okay. Um, but then the the producer came in, knew how to direct the talent, and basically swing it to where they needed to be. Mm. Because it was actually – it was a pretty difficult read in the fact that it had the sound kind of like thrown away. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's the tagline for the brand. Yeah. So you you want it to sound thrown away, but it's the tagline, so it has to sound important. So it was it was pretty difficult, but it was really interesting to see um, how they directed them that direction, and it was really good. I mean, the the guy came in and said some really cool things. What did, what did he do? Anything specific? Oh, did he basically, first thing is did okay. So she gets all the way over here. It's it's very 
you know, very voiceover-ish, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Only on Broadway, you know, that kind of <laughs> has that little sing song and it, mm-hmm. and it has to be, you know, down here and it has to be a little thrown away. And so he gets her and right off the bat just says, okay, forget everything and just pretend like you're telling a friend some great news and starts getting into her head that way and that's when it starts changing. You know, when you can place the person – in in context of how you want the voice, as opposed to just trying to direct the voice, but like, what's the context? How are you? How are we, what's the audience? How are you going to say this? What do you want to? And turn it into acting. This is this is another one that of one of the uh, most common things that happens is they come in and like like you were saying they do the voice, but they forget the acting, and that's hey, the that acting. Was, that was pretty good. Thank you. Anyway, my agent's number after the show. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll have to bring you back because I want to do a, a voiceover, a whole podcast, a bunch of voiceover talent and stuff like that. So. I'm so out of my league with you guys. You get Stevie Wonder, Team America, <laughs> and all these other things. It's, it's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. This is really cool. Thank you. Um, but moving on, Bobby, music industry. Fix it, please, Bobby. <laughs> Just fix it. Uh, the, the music industry <laughs> is about to go undergo one of the biggest changes ever and it's going to be better than ever in terms of income really within five years it's going to be back to where it was at its peak in 1999 2000 really absolutely okay we're becoming a uh, streaming industry everything is, is built around streaming there's just uh, some interesting uh, studies that came out today showing that piracy is pretty much over because of streaming. And now what's happening is um, all the predictions say that the streaming industry is going to increase by anywhere between a factor of 10 and 100 in the next five years as people catch on to why it's, um, you know, why... It's something they should be doing. So we, there's way more growth for people just to start streaming? Is that what <laughs> Absolutely. We're not even close. Um, right now, there's only about worldwide a little less than 30 million people that are paying for streaming. 30 million. And most of them in, what, Korea and Japan? It's spread out. There's about mm, six, seven million here right now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot in, in Europe. Europe is, is the bastion of that right now, uh, mostly because of Spotify. Uh, but Deezer as well. Deezer is huge worldwide, and it hasn't been um, introduced in the United States yet. But uh, there's lots of money to be made. And there's lots of money actually being made right now. Unfortunately, what you, you hear the horror stories by musicians and songwriters saying, well, I had 3 million streams. I only made $36. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. And the reason why they, that's happening is it has nothing to do with Spotify or Pandora or any of those because they're paying. It's the people in between. It's the record label and the publisher. So imagine if there's um, $5,000 that was made on, on a million streams, which is kind of normal, and uh, the artist makes 15% of that, you can see that all of a sudden that becomes not a whole lot. And it's the same thing on the publishing side as well. 
there's a lot of money that's actually being made right now on streaming. The the publishing the, the distributors, Pandora, Spotify, are putting out so much money that um, they're going to be lucky to survive, actually, because most of their income goes right out to artists. Or oh, it doesn't go to artists. It goes it's right out to the copyright owner. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the copyright owner that's making all the money. If you're the copyright owner, if you're an artist or a songwriter, then you're doing fine. If you're not, then you're probably not. And it's just, you know, it's no different than records. And, you know, you sold a record, you got 15 points, 12 points, 15 points on it, if you're lucky. And it's the same thing that's happening now. You get a record label in between, it's pulling all the dough out. But don't you think the difference between a million plays and, let's say, 500,000 sales, I mean, that just the income difference between those two is ginormous. You get more than... it. It see it doesn't matter. It's apples and oranges. Um, download the download industry is going away no matter what, because people discover that there's no reason to own the music if you can get ten times as much, hundred times as much, anytime you want it. Why clog up your hard drive with twenty gigs worth of, of music when you don't need it? You can get it, get as much as you want. You can get twenty million songs right now from so, well, so it's but entertainment on demand. It's on demand, yeah. But what if you well, work at a well, place where well, they wait. block Spotify? Well, wait a second. So th- there's actually two different types of services, <laughs> and most people don't understand this. There's the on-demand service like Spotify where you can say, I want to hear, you know, She's a Beauty by the Tubes. And then there's the radio-like ones, which is Pandora. And Pandora pays out a whole lot less than the on-demand ones. The on-demand uh an on-demand service pays anywhere between half a cent and 0.7 uh, of a cent for every play, for every uh, stream. While the radio-like one pays any, anywhere between 0.13 and 0.23 cents. So if it's a free service, if you have the free version of Spotify, the free version of, of Pandora, then there's a whole lot less money coming in. So that being said, if somebody's getting most of your plays off Pandora and they're getting it off the free side of it, then there's not a whole lot of money being made. If they're getting most of the plays off Pandora or off, uh, Spotify, then you're making a lot more. Now, on top of that, there's, there's also a payout that happens, which is a percentage of any of the ad revenue coming in. Huh. And that varies with the the different services. So you can't put your finger on exactly how much that is. But Apple, for instance, is paying 12%. We know what Apple's paying. That, that's public knowledge. Everybody else is not. But then we still don't know what the pie is, so you can't say prorated. I get 12% of this amount because we don't know what that amount is yet. And you really think there's going to be enough streamers to to – Yes. Make an income off of because the because yes. music industry is so segmented. I mean, there's so many different genres now, and there's just so many. I well, mean, well, we'll go another place. Okay, um, I want to believe you. I don't, but I want to. <laughs> all of the um, all the predictions by every major research companies, you know, says the same thing. So you don't have to. Um, it's not me. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I know, yeah. I know. Okay, now, I'm a pessimist. Here's the like, next thing: uh, YouTube. There's massive money being made on YouTube right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive, massive. And um, record labels know this. Record labels are in it. I, I just went through 
um, talking to the digital departments of most of the big labels and small labels. And all they want to talk about is YouTube, making money on YouTube. Here's the way it works. If you monetize a video on YouTube, what it throws off is about between five and $8,000 per million plays. Now, once again, how much is that going to dribble down to the artist? Well, if the artist owns the video and decides to monetize it right from the beginning, a lot of that's going to come back. Here's what happens, though. An artist will put it up, won't monetize it from the beginning. They'll get 5 million plays and they'll say, oh, I can make money on this. Well, guess what? Those 5 million plays are not retroactive. After you say, I want to monetize it, those 5 million plays are gone. Here's the next thing. So you got 5 million plays and 4 million of them are on a mobile device. Well, if it was on an old mobile device, there's no way to track it. If it's on a newer mobile device, uh, iOS uh, 4.4 you know, 4 on, then you can. But if, it's, if people are watching it on an older mobile device, gone, can't track it. So they might as well not even be there. That being said, you know who's making all the money? Google. Google's making it all. They're, they're claiming it. But that being said, here's the, the, the record label mentality. Okay, we know we can make about five grand a million pl- per million plays if we do this right. Um, and we have uh, 30 artists on the label, and each artist does 20 videos, and you add that up per month. And guess what? you got a whole bunch of dough coming in. It's not a lot from one video, but it's a lot against the whole catalog, and it's a lot against all of their huh. their artists. That's where they're making the money, and that's where they're putting all of their emphasis right now. So you need to monetize your video right from the beginning. Yeah, there's two ways to do that. There's One way is you have to go up and claim the video, first of all, and then you click the little monetize, monetization uh, icon next to it. And, and you have to go in. It's basically a Google AdWords play. You have to become a Google AdWords partner. And once you do that, it's fairly easy. Um, then you can monetize the stuff fairly easily. But it's a 55-45% payout. Artist gets 55%. 45% goes to Google. Okay, it sounds pretty good. So if there's eight grand that's made, well, you get 55% of that. There's another way to beat it, though. And that's to go with a multi-channel network or an MCN. An MCN is a channel of channels. They aggregate channels. So a big MCN might have a thousand channels. And there's numerous ones of these. There's uh, um, full screen is one of the bigger ones for um, music. There's Omnia. And what will happen there is they have a better deal with Google an 80-20 split. So guess what? You're going to get, you, the artists, are going to get a lot more money if you go with them. Hmm. Plus, they do all this cross-promotion with all the other channels as well. You get more plays. And on top of it, here's what else they do. They have a way, Google has something called um, content ID and audio ID. What that means is, when it's uploaded, it gets fingerprinted. Your, your video, your audio gets fingerprinted. So if uh, Janie decides she wants to use your music on her birthday video, 
guess what? They go out and they find it. And they go to Janie and they say, you have two choices. You can either take your video down or let us put ads on it and we collect all the money. <laughs> so if you have 10,000 people that have taken your music and put it on their videos, you can, they can find it and you get paid on every single one of them. Now, here's why an MCN is so important. Awesome. They have... That they have access to that Google tool, that content ID tool, that you, the artist, can't get on your own. Wow. Yeah. So there's loads of money being made right now. Loads. And not only that, it's the Wild West. Here's, here's what's mm-hmm. starting to happen. If you have, let's say... Um, I'm starting to believe, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I believe! <laughs> let's I, I, um, pick a band that you like. Coldplay. Okay, this is not going to happen with Coldplay, but just as an example. Let's say Coldplay hasn't uh, claimed their songs from any of their albums. But you, Mike Rodriguez, you can go up there and you can say, I own all those songs and collect all the money until Coldplay figures this out and comes and says, no, no, wait a second. No, you don't own it. So there's a lot of people that are actually saying that, that are smart to this and are going and saying, I own that, I own that, I own that, I own that. And if no one has claimed it, they're making dough. They're, they're doing this off of movie um, clips as well, where most wow. – what's happening with the movie clips is the uh, studios, it, it, they look at it the, – the business affairs look at this and they say, five grand, a million plays, pff, we care less about that. It's not enough money for them to even care about. So there's a lot of unscrupulous people that are going and say, hey, uh, I, wor- I own these clips to Star Wars. And they're making money off of it. And the people that claim it, there's no follow-up. Well, certainly there could be follow-up. Uh, as soon as, as as Fox, for instance, figures this out, they can go after him and say no. And, and there are, are mechanizations where you can actually go to YouTube and say, oh, wait, no, no, no. I own copyright on that. We own copyright. Yeah, right. But until that happens, Joe Blow owns it. Now. Could those people get sued and the whole shebang and get in a lawsuit and get money and all that? Probably, but they usually don't do that. They usually just give you a cease and desist and, and they say... Part-time no. job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are companies that are doing this that are now have, have, have you know, come to be that specialize just in this. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. I mean, yeah. I, and I know that Xbox One, one of their big things that they're pulling out is they want to be your music player... For the whole network. Mm-hmm. So the Xbox One isn't just a game machine. It's actually a home streaming storage control center to all of your stuff. Yeah. And they say, oh, so they're going to create their version of iTunes mm-hmm. wow. to say, hey, use this for everything in the house, everything you own. You know, the question is, is Xbox One going to go across the line and support iOS? So, in other words, well, you can still have the Xbox and it'll still talk to your Apple product. We'll have to see because you know, that'll be interesting. That'll I'll, be, yeah. I'll tell you what. There's already, like, with when I got my Surface, I got what's called the SkyDrive from Microsoft, which is 200 gigs, right? Apple is gracious and gives me five. Microsoft gave me 200. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, yeah. uh, and I have an app uh, on for iOS that I can uh, use – 
and connect to my SkyDrive, and my SkyDrive, so any pictures that I take will connect to the SkyDrive, which will connect to that. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, they're already crossing the line, so there's, well, there's a no lot of stuff. I've been reading a lot of articles, and, and Microsoft's one of our clients, but there's a lot of articles how they're reorganizing the company to figure out what the next next steps are. And they're like, why isn't all of the Microsoft, Microsoft software available for tablets and phones? Yeah. And they want to get back into that business, yeah. not just of being it's only here or only there. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna support everything. Well, you know the uh, whole iTunes radio and the whole Spotify is you know that's going over to software. I yeah. mean, look at Adobe Creative Cloud where you don't own the software anymore; you're basically renting it on a yearly basis. So it's all it's all kind of happening. Um, that YouTube thing is pretty darn exciting. That's cool because. You want to get your song on a video that goes viral because you can make yeah. some serious dough that way. Well, if you've claimed it, you can. Right. If you know Claim how to it. play the system. But uh, unfortunately, it's, it's sort of the Wild West. It's new enough that people don't have this figured out yet. Yeah. Well, why would you ever not claim something you did? Is there a reason? If you yeah. just pop it up. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons is you have to say, I want to monetize this video. And in order to monetize it, you have to apply to be a Google AdWords um, client. And then you physically have to go in and say, I want to monetize this. Uh Now, the other thing that could happen is uh, somebody could say, wait, I've claimed that already. So then you have to go back and you have to say, oh, wait a second. I actually have, have the paperwork. So it could... If you're not on top of it, it could get just sticky enough that most people will say, Pfft, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, as an artist, a lot of times you don't know when your music is also people are using it sometimes like with songs that I have some songs out there and don't realize or haven't realized that it's been used until later. How do you how do you go about claiming something? Well, again, you can claim your version of it. But unless you have content ID behind you, content ID goes out and finds that for you. You don't even have to think about it. It, it just it crawls, crawls the web, crawls YouTube and looks for the fingerprint and it finds it. And then it, it comes back to you and says, okay, what do you want to do about this? Mm. But you either – you have to be so big um, to qualify for this or go with an MCN. And go with an MCN, then that's part of it. That, that's one of, of their their benefits. Sure. Is this yeah. is this all covered in your social media? Um, no, like? no. This part isn't covered in social media promotion because uh, it's just about promotion. Right, right. It's covered in the next version of my Music 3.0 book, which is going to be oh. Music 4.0. Awesome. And it's coming out in, in January. Yeah, but it's all in there. Is there any reason, like, if you're part of an MCN, what does the artist get from that? Because must, there must be a piece... Yeah, there, to the MCN. there's a, a larger split. It's an 80-20 split, usually. But, but isn't the MCN taking some of that split? or that's Yeah, yeah. well, they're taking 20%, and then the, they have a, another deal with um, YouTube on the side. Now, how much that is is up to the MCN. Oh, so that wasn't 20 to Google and 80 no. to the MCN. No, 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 no. It's 80% to the artist. That's why it's, it's impressive. And what percentage is Google taking it Well, again, it's between Google and the MCN, but generally speaking, they're making uh, favored nations, um, well, they're making a, a special deal to the MCN because the MCN is bringing, yeah, tons of well, bi- billions of views, yeah. you know, per month. And also I know they're trying to make channels now because one of the things I've noticed is 
I think Hollywood as we know it is uh, dissolving, where it used to be the three networks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Netflix alone right now, between what they're starting to do with multiple TV shows, multiple movies, they're really hitting the entertainment. I know like Ubisoft is making a movie. Yeah. And all these different people, you don't need to be a big thre- uh, network. Yeah. And, uh, and they're even like, even with the, uh, uh, um, the Emmys, they're trying to fig- they were trying to figure out what constitutes TV. Yeah. And um, I think downloadable, and I've been hearing a couple shows that are specifically being made for YouTube. Yeah. And so you could watch it. I mean, I look at it this way. My son... I think he actually watches more YouTube than he does the TV. Well, it, already the, there's been studies that have said that, as a matter of fact, I saw one today that said YouTube has now more views by teens yeah. than Facebook. It, it's outperformed Facebook. So the whole key here is if you're going to start, if you have a music project, you really want to make that video and you want to monetize it. Because you want to get it on YouTube. Yeah, you know, I actually had somebody who's really, really uh, well-versed in this tell me that one of the keys was to make a, um, a cover video, a cover song, but to do it strategically. And, and he, had, he must have told me 10 artists that started out like this and, and actually have gained traction. And what, what they would do is they would look at who was trending and they would find that artist that was trending. They would copy the song. And then the way you, you title it and the way you tag it and the description that you use is absolutely critical. Because you get into the search results. That, if you do that right, though, brilliant. <laughs> it turns out that, that you can jump really fast. And there's been unknowns that have done videos of just them singing. No, no music. Just them singing in in you know um, a cellar. And you can see the, the, the clothes in the back and the clothesline and everything. And these guys wind up getting deals or they wind up uh, – there's one one kid that he wound up becoming uh, um, a backup singer for Erica Badu just because he did one of her songs like that. And it's a kid from no, nowhere, you know, that basically did this and, and was, was good, wow. you know. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean it's, it's such a game. It is such a game. But it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm I'm getting some hope there. I'm not nearly as depressed. <laughs> no, no, because because it, it seems like if you have a really good strategy, if you go out, you, you get a video, you you work YouTube, you work the streams, you can you can make some money out the there. The first thing uh, a label does right now is they will do they they don't even care about a music video anymore. They want a lyric video. Because a lyric video they can do for cheap, it gets almost as many views, if not more, than a, uh, a produced music video. And then what they'll do is they'll turn around and they'll get the album and they'll put a full stream of the whole thing up with just uh, um, just a, a still of the album cover mm-hmm. saying, find this on YouTube or fi- find this on, on iTunes. you know. Here. And then they'll annotate it at the end so there's a link. And they figure that there's some kid that's going to do it. They might as well do it and monetize it yeah. and get it going first. And and they know they're going to make X amount of dollars on this. And they know the more videos they make, the better. So they're always on, on the artist. Make more videos. Make more videos. Make one a week. Make one a week because there's a whole bunch of dough coming in. Wow. And they don't have to be big budget fancy videos. Absolutely not. They can be anything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Music 4.0. I yeah. can tell you right yeah. off the bat. Right off the bat. But social media promotion for musicians is, 
is actually that's out now. It's doing really. You know well. what? We're going to have to yeah. talk about. We're running out of time, but uh, I think next time let's talk about social media because okay. there's a couple things that I want to talk to you about, especially with social media. Okay. Mainly because I have a Twitter account that I started when I went to AES. I've got like nine followers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe a little more than nine. Maybe yeah. like forty, but it feels like nine. But one thing that I noticed is when I got it, and I was tweeting away on the. Um, through AES, like, I don't want to tweet right now because I don't have that kind of time to follow all that, you know, yeah. obviously, if you know, you know, from the stories. So I, I need your help and in, in, in how to work it so that it's yeah. not. Well, social media bad. promotion for musicians is all about that. It's all how to use social media, your website, your mailing list to promote yourself but do it in such a way where it doesn't, where it's very efficient. It doesn't take up all your time. See? Efficient. Yeah. Next time, are you gonna be around in two weeks? Hopefully. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and efficiency is the key to everything because, yeah. like in the MySpace days, you'd start building your friend list, and the next thing you know, you're spending your whole day doing that, and it's diminishing returns. And uh, all right. Yeah, I have good MySpace stories as well for next time. All mm-hmm. right, awesome. so we're gonna do that next time. But I will tell you that. Um, if you uh, go to our Facebook page, speaking of social media, see that? Mm-hmm. See that segue? What a right? segue. <laughs> and you, uh, you enter to win um, Bobby Osinski's first, literally the first copy of his new book. It's the proof copy. Can't get more wow. first than that. That's right. He's, we're going to give it away, a signed copy of uh, social media promotions for musicians and we started um, this on the last one right right we started this on the last have one. the uh, entries been flying in the entries have not been flying in because the last podcast has not been posted <laughs> <laughs> it's going up tomorrow it's one way to hold on to the book okay <laughs> see there's a little time like yeah a little time thing happening right some now some latency. <laughs> by yeah, the time like- this goes up the podcast will have been up for a couple weeks okay. <laughs> cool. but as of right now the podcast is not up but um, but if you go to our Facebook page um, and you uh, – all you have to do is just tell us why you like the Audio Nowcast. You'll enter in the drawing to get a rare opportunity to own the proof of a book from a great author. How's that, Bobby? Thank you kindly. <laughs> and is this, is this the proof that we see sitting here on the desk it, in front of us? It is, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact. It's very pretty. It's glowing. As a matter of fact. Wow, it even says proof on it. It says proof on it. I would consider that proof. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wasn't lying. (laughs) Rob, that was such a Rob joke right there. (laughs) That's awesome. I laughed at it. That's all. All That is a cool prize. How many weeks are we going to wait? We'll do like two weeks. Which in podcast time is like four months. <laughs> <laughs> and now my question for Bobby, did you find any mistakes in the proof or was all good? I mean, Very few, surprisingly enough. Nice? Very few. All right. So there might be some big red marks in it where it says. No, it was all done electronically. <laughs> okay. <good. Yeah. laughs> all right. Well, hey, listen, uh, Bobby, that was awesome. That was really, I, I feel there's a little hope there. The music business is going to get better. Uh, you know what? Great. I'm glad because the post business is giving me hell right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're all good. Uh, Mickey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, it was awesome to, thank you. to have you here. And, awesome uh, to be here. And um, it was really great. And um, feel free to come back and join us whenever you want. Thank you. Um, Rob, you working on yes, anything Mike. fun and exciting that you can talk about? Uh, just trying to see how many cities I can visit in one year. On these different projects, I, I uh, 
I'm, I've lost track of what I've already talked about and what I can talk about, but I'm continuing to work with the band in Austin that I've been spending a lot of time in Austin for. But great. it's great to be with you guys in person this time. It is. Uh, you know why? Because it's when you fall asleep in person, it's just a lot better as opposed to we see you. I only <laughs> fell asleep once or twice last time. It's great. Okay. Rob was skyping in, right? And he's he's a couple times. Well, it's like midnight or something. And then you're. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm looking right at him, and I just see his eyes getting heavier. Yeah. And heavier. Well, and plus, I had just come from the East Coast too, so I was kind of zonked. But I still haven't missed one. That's right. I would not let you guys down. No, you wouldn't. That's awesome. But I'm continuing to work on a lot of music in different cities, and it's been really fun. And and I'm happy to say that some of these projects are going to finally start coming out, uh, if not by the end of the year, shortly after the New Year. So. Great. You'll be hearing a lot of uh, what I can't talk about. It'll be all I talk about at that point. But you know what? We should also plug um, Drop to the Shop. You know, Absolutely. Well. The funnest online shop on earth. I mean, you want to see some genius programming. Rob invented that whole technology. So. That's my other so. full-time job. But yeah, the software company Drop to Your Shop is going great. We're based in New York, which is another reason I'm in New York or on the East Coast so much. But if you're looking for a very bizarre shopping experience that's a lot of fun and has nothing to do with music, that's the <laughs> other. Uh, that's an additional sixty hours a week of my life that I spend on. That. So check it out. Droptoyourshop.com. <laughs> Mickey, you working on anything you want to plug, or you have um, any music that you've done? Or uh... um, I had a couple of songs and some TV shows recently, so I'm always working on stuff and great buying guitars I shouldn't be buying. But uh, that's the best kind. Well, well, well. <laughs> Everything else is, is top secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you fit right in. <laughs> Scott, what about you? Uh, so I actually asked. I, I, I can't say a name. I'm um, working on two projects right now. Um, I'm working on uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, TV show, which comes out in the fall. Wow. Called The Strain. Helping him out a little bit for that. This and fall I'm, or next fall? Uh, the, uh, well, it would have to be a little less than a year. Okay. On the effects network. Um, nice. And um, I'm also working on an interactive project called Wild Star, which is a giant MMO. Wow. That will be coming online in the spring. Nice. Well, that's cool. Wow, Scott actually just talked about something. I know. I, think, I know. We'll have yes. to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to talk Wait, about what we're no, talking about. Can, can I say these Wait, things? I'll get, the, I'll get that phone call later. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, can you take out that uh, one thing I said? Okay, Scott. Bobby, how about you? Yeah, I've been busy. There's a lot of a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, one of the coolest things is uh, an album that I produced and mixed by Adriana Marie and her Groove Cutters mm. is uh, in the top twenty in the blues nice. category. Nice. So that, that's cool. Um, so that's neat. And then um, you know, social media promotion for musicians just came out. The third edition of Recording Engineers Handbook came out right before that. And any time there's going to be a three-book set of deconstructed hits, which is, I, I take, uh, if you read my blog, you can see where occasionally I do a song analysis where I'll take a song and I'll break it down to what the um, arrangement is like and the song form and the sound and the production. Well, uh, I was convinced that there should be some books about this, so right. I, I did a book. The first one is on classic rock. The third one is on recent hits, and the other one is hits from 2000 to 2010. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious. Cool. When you're engineering an album for someone or producing, and they know that you know all this stuff about social promotion and marketing and everything else, how much of the session ends up being, let's pick Bobby's brain about how to sell <laughs> this thing once we're done? Do you, do you find you end up talking about that a lot? 
Absolutely. In the yeah. Well, not in the studio as much, but afterwards. <laughs> and there's always, hey, let's catch dinner tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> I bet there is. I bet so there I, is. So, when was the last time you actually bought a dinner? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's an awesome thing. I mean, uh, what? When's the last time you paid for dinner? I'll go out to dinner with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I had a feeling that was going to be the answer. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, and Mike, other than panicking and – I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I will give you a full report on the next podcast because I have no idea. I'm getting texts even as we're sitting here. Is, is so this we'll the, the Fox shows? The, I'm the... not saying anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, <laughs> if we could really get him in trouble, this is one where you call the client. Up. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just gonna panic and you know do my thing. Although oh, the, um, the Disney ones, right? <laughs> oh, it's yes. even better, right? <laughs> it's what the uh, fox says. Right? <laughs> uh, but I am gonna, I'm gonna be doing um, shooting some more for uh, API, which is good. That was oh. that's always fun. I'm going to go out to uh, Dallas and um, shoot a small label that's starting off, and they're gonna be using the box for. Session, which is kind of cool because it's going to be um, the studio is very modest but really effective, and they have a couple artists. And so, I got to so. say, I put the box on. Uh, I know. Yeah, on my blog, I do every Monday. I do uh, a, a music gear kind of overview, new music gear Monday, and uh, the box because of our podcast. Yeah. Actually, I, I put on there, and the response was amazing. Actually, there was a lot of people that came back and said, "Wow, this is really cool." And there was an equal amount that came back says, "I don't get it." Yeah, there's there's a lot of people who aren't going to get it, and Requires that's okay. Some education, definitely. Because if if that's if they don't get it, they they probably couldn't afford it. You know, yeah. it's it's not going to be in their price range. It's not in their budget, and it's not for them. The thing about API, and I and I love working as close as I do with API. I just they're so smart. They're just really good thinkers. There, the guys that run it, um, Larry and Gordon and and Mark and Dan, all those guys. They're just really smart guys. But you know, they they invent. I mean, APIs invented some some genres, right? I mean, not genres. I mean, some technologies like you know the 500 series and the fact that they opened that up. I mean, if it wasn't for them opening up the 500 series, you know, there'd just be a whole industry that wouldn't exist nowadays. And you know, they came out with the the 1608, the small console, small big console, and then everybody else kind of followed along with their versions of their own 1608. It's going to happen with the box. You're going to see it. You're going to see other manufacturers coming out with their with their versions of it. Um, you know, today's Veterans Day, and here's a really good API story. Um, the core technology for API, their um, their 2520. Um, the op app. Yeah, op app. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I had the privilege of interviewing Saul Walker, who started oh, API. Yeah, yeah. We did like a two-hour interview, and it was actually invented because he was working on some radar technology for the military. And so – through doing the radar technology, he thought, I wonder how audio sounds through this and basically came up with the op amp. But, you know, it's, you know, I, I guess I, I wanted to say something about Veterans Day because, you know, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have uh, the technology to have API. And also by telling people it's Veterans Day, it makes them realize just how long it takes you to edit <laughs> this thing and get it up there. Actually, you know what? Having said that, um, Colin – who, Did he say Veterans Day? He meant Thanksgiving. No, no. <laughs> who's uh, who's uh, our, the engineer? Because Jeremy's busy and he's kind of doing his own thing now. Um, 
Colin Eldridge, who's back in the other room. Um, he did the last podcast and it was fantastic. So when you hear it, just know when you hear this edit, it's going to be Colin's edit and Colin does a great job. So Thank you, Colin. Got to yeah. give him some props. Yeah. And boy, did he save my butt today. <laughs> <laughs> you looked a little uh, bit harried when we uh, got here. Well, maybe you should go back to work then. I'm probably going to have to. So <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. Once again, I want to remind everybody, if you want to enter for this awesome, awesome prize of Bobby Osinski's first First book for the uh, social media productions for musicians. Promotions. Uh, so, yeah, promotions. Sorry. Um, he's going to sign it. And uh, to enter, all you have to do is go on our Facebook page and just write a little snippet why you like the Audio Now cast. And uh, we'll enter you in a drawing. So hopefully we'll get more than seven people. <laughs> I think we will. That's a pretty cool prize. All right. If you have any comments or questions about the podcast, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And Andrew, um, I know we owe you the other book from Bobby, but I literally just saw him for the first time <laughs> at the last podcast. And so we're working to get you the book. So just know it's coming out to you. Oh, and we also have to wish happy birthdays to our other Andrew. Oh, really? Uh, who isn't here yeah. tonight. And also Scott. Oh, yeah. oh, this is a big week. Not, not bad for 106. <laughs> <laughs> a big week in podcast birthdays. Yes. All right. Well, hey, on that note, from myself and all the guys here, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. You didn't have out your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>